Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, our chapter of this morning begins by telling us that during the Lord's teaching, a large crowd of thousands of people had gathered around him. They were so tightly packed together that it says that they were trampling one another. They were standing on each other's toes, so to speak. And it is striking then that when the Lord then begins to speak, he addresses his disciples first. He is first of all speaking to those who followed him and believed in him. It is of course definitely true that the Lord wants the whole crowd to hear what he has to say. But he wants, him, he wants them to hear what it means to be a disciple of him. To belong to him. That's what he wants the whole crowd of thousands of people to hear. He wanted them to know what a wonderful life it is to follow him and to belong to the kingdom of God. To have God Almighty for your heavenly father. And in this way the Lord most likely wanted to awaken within the people of the crowd the desire to become his disciples too. You see in the verses 4 through 7 of our chapter he assures his disciples that they do not need to fear man. But that if they fear and they observe and if they obey the Lord God then God will take care of them. For they are of great value to God. Of greater value than all the little birds where the Lord so nicely take care of. Then in the verses 8 through 12, the Lord assures his people that if they confess him before man, then he will confess them before the angels of God, meaning that they will be protected by the angels. And they also do not need to worry about what to do when they meet with strong opposition while they are confessing his name before man. For he promised that the Holy Spirit himself will at that very moment teach them what they are to say in their defense. And then in the verses 13 through 34, the Lord speaks of the foolishness of a life in which the most important thing is to have more and more possessions in order to find security for life. For if you would believe in him, then your heavenly father knows what you need, he says, and, and he will take care of you. It's a wonderful life to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants everyone to know that. And so we could kind of summarize this teaching from the Lord, of the Lord in, in one sentence. And that is, let your main focus of life be not upon the earth and earthly things, but upon heaven and the heavenly things. Then your heavenly father who knows what you need will give you what you need. In the passage of our text this morning, the Lord continues with this teaching and he points us to something that's very helpful to keep focused upon his kingdom and the heavenly things while we live here in this world. A world which is so attention demanding, a busy world. So with our text, the Lord draws our attention to what is to come. Where we are going. His return is to come on the last day. 
En dan is het idee dat het is more important than ever that his people have gathered a treasure in heaven with a life of serving him. That they in this way are ready to receive him and to serve him at his coming. So let's listen to what the Lord teaches, teaches under the team. The Lord urges us, his people, to be ready for his return. And then we look first at our expecting of his return. Our expecting of his return. And second, the unexpectedness of his return. So when we have our text before us, then we can read in the verses 35 and 36 that the Lord Jesus says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for the master to come home from the wedding feast. Now before we go on, it is important to know that the Lord Jesus actually said in verse 36, And you yourselves be like men waiting for the master to return from the wedding banquet. He is specifically speaking to those who belong to him, to his disciples, as verse 22 emphasizes again. And so the Lord is very personal and also very insistent. He looks right at each one of, of his disciples and at each one of us here this morning. He looks you right in the eyes, so to speak, and he says, and you yourselves be dressed and ready. The Lord is not addressing the crowd, the people in general. No, it's about you. Each one of you. Never mind if your friends do it or not, or what your family thinks about it. This is about you. So listen closely. And then there is one more important thing to know. And that is, that is the word translated in verse 36 of our text with the word waiting... Like men waiting for the master, that, that word, the word waiting does not mean the passive, no, do nothing kind of waiting, like we do, for example, in a waiting room or in the lineup at a cashier in a store. The kind of waiting you do when you kind of turn your mind off until it is your turn. That, that's not the kind of waiting that the Lord Jesus means here. No, the... The, the, the waiting meant by the Lord is an, in our text is an active, expecting kind of waiting. Like we do, for example, on an airport. As we wait for someone that we haven't seen for a long time. Every time the door opens, you look. Right? You're active, waiting, expecting. That's the kind of waiting the Lord Jesus points out. That's how you, yourselves, have to be waiting. Stay dressed for action, it says. And there's a very good interpretation of what it says in the Greek text. As, and as the New King James Version, for example, has it, it says, let your waist be girded. Now, most of us know that in the Middle East, the people of the time wore those long robes. And in case of those servants that the Lord is speaking about, those robes, would get in their way while they are working, while they are serving. They could trip over them. 
Well, they were doing the work. And therefore, they would pick up those ropes at the bottom and, and, and tuck them into the belt. So they were ready to serve. At any moment now, the master would come from the wedding banquet, and they love the master, and they want to serve him, and, and they want to please him as soon as he comes home. They keep the lamps burning. Of course they do. They could not, like us, flick on the light switch. If they wanted to make light, they needed to make or find fire in the light and oil lamp. And it would take way too long. And the master would have to find his way in the house in the dark. And since they wait for him, since they expect him to come any moment now, they keep their lamps burning. They're completely ready for the master to arrive now. And you see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that's how the Lord wants you to wait for him. Expect his return any moment now. This is how he wants you to live every day. Also today. Now maybe you say or you, or you think, yeah, but the Lord stays away already for so long. And, and life goes on. And there is so much to do. In Revelation 22, the Lord Jesus promises twice that he would come quickly. And now it is almost 2,000 years later and he still has not returned. It takes so long. And if I like it or not, there really are so many things here and now that strive for our attention. Well, it's true. There are indeed many things in our lives that beg for our attention. It's true. But it's at the same time exactly the reason of the Lord's message of this morning. He knows. He became in all things like us. He knows us. He knows what it is to live here in this world. He knows that there's only too easy for us to get caught up into the maddening race of life which in our world has become the norm. It's so easy to get distracted, is it not? It's not that we forgot about the Lord's return or that we do not want him to return. Of course we want him to. There is so much going on. It's all true. But let's be honest. Even when we think about the Lord's return, do we really think of it in terms of today? In terms of tomorrow? If you're young, you study hard so that you're able to have a well-paying job in the future. A few years later, you work hard and, and you save your money and you plan to have a family and in your own house. And after that, you need to plan already for your retirement. Life flies by. And you develop five or ten year plans about where you would like to go when the time comes. And, 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 you, and you do worry about tomorrow or next month, next year. What's this world coming to? So many things we must prepare for, we must do, while we are still living in this world. And, and it's true, the things now that I just mentioned, 
they're by themselves not wrong. They are not wrong as long as you're doing all of these things, considering, expecting, hoping that the Lord could come today, tomorrow. And that you must be ready for him first of all. So the question we all need to ask ourselves is, am I like those servants in the passage? Am I ready to receive my master, my Lord, if he would come this morning? With all the busyness of life, am I first of all a servant of the Lord Jesus? It's the question we need to ask ourselves. Yeah, it could also be true that you have to say that you're actually way too busy with taking care of yourself, too much focus upon the here and the now. could be that you're actually not, not ready to receive him because there are way too many things that you want to accomplish first before he comes, so that you want to experience before he comes, so that you like to have, possess first before he comes. That could be. It's not true, brothers and sisters, honestly, that we do not have the Lord's return on our mind a lot. Is it not true, for example, that if you wake up in the morning and you open the curtains and you look outside, that you do that to see what the weather is about. Do you ever do that to see if he is already coming on the clouds? That's how he wants us to live. Expecting him every day. Seeing if he's there already. Are we living that way? I mean, are you really expecting him to arrive any moment now? Let's for a moment... Just reflect on, on, on that moment. Let us, this morning, very concretely think about, imagine the Lord's return. Just imagine with me that the moment is there. Everything in heaven is ready. Just imagine how thrilled the angels are. And then it happens. The trumpet sounds. And the call of the archangel rings through the heavens. And the heavens are rolled back like a scroll. And there is a voice prepared away. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh shall see it. He is coming to judge the world with righteousness. He shall judge the world and his people with justice. And imagine then all the graves being opened. And the dead rising up. All of them, those who love the Lord and those who didn't. And then the angels, they receive a command. And they begin to gather all those who love the Lord and bring them up to him upon the clouds and place them on his right hand. And when they are finished with that, they set up a judgment seat and, and all the people who are not upon, with the Lord upon the clouds are judged and sentenced and carried away to the lake of fire. Now try to picture all this. Now, it is, of course, impossible. But let's now just imagine that all this would happen on Thursday, this week. 
And that you would know it for sure. Just imagine this. What would you do in the coming days? What would you do? Well, you might say, I, I have to change a few things in the way I live. Or I will have to straighten things out in a hurry. It could well be. And maybe you would say, but I will run out of time. And that's possible too. No doubt many pastors will get calls from, from people who otherwise hardly would talk to them, to him. And maybe you would consider yourself blessed if you were scheduled for a family visit tomorrow night. But the elders. And there will no doubt be also people who would beg to have, if it was only one more church service with one more sermon, doesn't matter who, how long the sermon will be, if, it, if we could only one more time hear it. And, and would the pastor please pray for them? Well, you might say, yeah, but it's all imagination. It's all fantasy. Well, it's true. Partly. Because it is not all imagination. Only a little part of it is. You see, the Lord Jesus is coming quickly. He said. And all those things I mentioned that will happen at his return, they are true too. They will happen. It's in the Bible. No imagination there. The only thing that we imagined, that we fantasized about, is that the Lord would return on Thursday. But we don't know. No, we don't. But the thing is that there is a real possibility that he will. The Lord said, I will come quickly. But it's true, we don't know for sure. And therefore, brothers and sisters, it would be so foolish of me to predict with certainty that the Lord would return on Thursday. That would be foolish, I'll agree. But then again, it will be therefore just as foolish of you to assume that he will not come this week. It's true, we don't know when the Lord returns. But we are 2,000 years closer to it than when he first promised that he would come quickly. That we do know. So, now the question is, what, knowing all this, are we going to do? In other words, how then shall we live? I hope that no one here is afraid of the Lord's return. You see, in our passage of this morning, we read that those servants were waiting for, were eagerly expecting the master. They did not fear the master's return. They loved him. They were ready to serve him. You see, people who love the Lord do not need to fear for the day of his return. The Lord is your beloved master. Is he not? You wait for, you yearn for the moment that he comes, don't you? You see, if you deep in your heart know that in spite of the fact that you are quite religious, but that you do not really love the Lord, and that is something that you know. That's something you know. Yeah, then, then you need to fear for his return. Then you better hope that the Lord does not return here at the end of the worship service, but that you make it home 
En dat je hebt een opportunity to pray until you know that the Lord Jesus is also your beloved Savior and Master. Brothers and sisters, young people, what if you would know for sure that the Lord would return sometime this, someday this week? Let's keep it on Thursday. Is then that new car you dream of? That new dress? That new pair of shoes? That business contract? That diploma and degree you need? All such things, are they then still so very important to you? That you would be too busy to serve him by showing mercy, by taking care of those in need, by speaking to those who need to hear the gospel. You would forget again about his coming on Thursday. But you still go to the party that you have planned to go to. And again, who, do, who is to say that he doesn't return today? The Lord Jesus, your Savior, urges you this morning to live as if he would return tomorrow or now. But it's true, when he comes, you don't know. That he comes is absolutely sure. And will he then find you either ready to serve him, to receive him as your master, so that he will have you carried to himself upon the clouds, carried by the angels of a world which he is about to cleanse with fire, or will he find you, heaven forbid, serving yourself or someone or something else? Brothers and sisters, young people, boys and girls, all who... With me, love the Lord Jesus. The day of his return will be such an awesome day. The Lord, our master, will return and he will make an end to all sinning, to all violence, to all cruelties and dishonesty. It makes an end to all the suffering and blasphemy and all the selfishness and the greed in this world. The Lord Jesus in verse 37 of our text says, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say you, he will dress himself for service and have them reclined at a table and he will come and serve them. That is what will happen on the day that the Lord returns. He will serve those who are ready to serve him. They will be served by the master in the eternal halls of glory in John 13. We can read how the Lord Jesus gave us a real picture of this. We read there that the Lord loved his people to the end and that he was going to show them the full extent of his love. And, and, and what did he do then? He took off his outer clothing, he wrapped himself in a towel and, 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 and he washed the feet of his disciples. He served them. That is a picture of what the Lord says here in our text. On the day of his return, the Lord shall serve those who are ready to serve him and show them the full extent of his love. 
He has promised, Assuredly, I say to you, I will no longer drink from the fruit of the vine from now on until the day that I will drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. That's what we're going to. The wedding feast. He will drink it with us. Yesterday, that you will be married to him, your Savior is so near. And we don't know for sure, of course, how, it, how precisely it all will be. But we do know that you will drink with him in his kingdom as servants who are served. You know that you will be with the Lord and that the Lord will be your light. And that you don't need a son any longer. And that he will wipe all your tears. He has promised that he will give you to eat from the tree of life. He has promised that he will give you the crown of life. He has promised that he will give you to eat from the hidden mama. She will never hunger again. He has promised that he will give you power to rule the nations. And that he will give you the morning star. He has promised that he will dress you in white garments of righteousness. He has promised that he will confess your name before his, his and our father. He has promised that he will make you a pillar in the house of his God. And he will write on you his new name. Brothers and sisters, it's true, we don't know how it all will be. But he has promised that for bronze, he will bring gold, for iron, silver. And that his glory will rise upon you. You will renew your strength. You will mount up as eagles. You shall run and not be weary and walk and not be faint. You will come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy upon your head. You shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and Zion will flee away. No, we do not know how it all will be. But it will be great and it will be glorious. No eye has seen it, no ear has heard it, not even had it entered into the hearts of men. Are you still earthly minded? You see, when the master comes, it's not the end, but the new beginning. Would you still go to bed tonight without praying that the Lord will come tomorrow? What in the world can, as far as you are concerned, be so important that he must wait? Listen to what the Lord says. Be you yourself like men who are waiting for the master. Just expect him. Look for him. Look up to those clouds every day. Is he not there yet? He will come. You don't know when, only that it will be soon. It will also be unexpectedly, as you'll now briefly see in our second point. We read in verse 40 that the Lord says, You also must be ready because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect him. In Luke 18, the Lord asked the question, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? He's coming at an hour that you do not expect him. With all the expecting that you're just told to do, to be ready, he will come at an hour that you do not expect him. The Lord knows us well, isn't it? 
We fall so easily asleep while we are waiting. That's why so many Christians live as if the Lord is not coming anytime soon. Falling asleep can happen to the best. In the parable of the ten virgins, five are foolish, five are wise, but even the wise ones fell asleep. The servants in our text, they don't sleep. Even in the third night watch, when the watchmen struggle to stay awake, when all men sleep so very tight that thieves and, bur and burglars prefer that hour for the mischief, even then the servants are still awake, expecting the master to come any moment now. No, we do not know the, the day nor the hour. Only God the Father knows that. It's true there have been all throughout the New Testament history, people have claimed that they had figured it out. They would tell you the day, sometimes even to the hour precise, when the Lord would return. Well, that's foolish and that's extreme. But the sad thing is, brothers and sisters, that so many of us have gone to the other extreme. And we have moved the Lord's coming somewhere in the far and the vague future. And that's foolish too. It's true, we all believe that the Lord will come again. But it often seems in our mind that we expect it to be long after we have died. You see, and that is then the reason that you will fall asleep. Together with all the foolish versions in this world. We don't know. When the day or the hour will be that the Lord will return. But it doesn't mean that the Bible has nothing to say about it. There are many places where the Bible tells you of the things that need to take place first. And it also tells you what kind of time it will be just before the Lord returns. You know those passages. There will be times such as children will have no respect for their parents anymore. That kind of natural love will have grown cold. There will be more and more parents who do not love their children. And there will be children who do not love or are faithful to their parents. There will be a time that there will be no respect for any law. There will be a time of great immorality, of wars and rumors of wars, of earthquakes, floods, disease. People will have itching ears. They don't want to hear the truth any longer, but only things to please them. And they will find themselves teachers that will tell them exactly what they like to hear. There will be a time so much like it is now. Just watch the news. Now, these are only a few of the things that will happen just before the Lord returns. But they are loud and clear signs that he is coming. You can hear his footsteps approaching in these things. How long then will it take? We don't know. But if you pay attention to what's going on all around you and everywhere in the world and you read your Bible, then you will see that it is high time to be awake. To be ready to serve the lamp, to serve the Lord with the lamp of your faith brightly burning. The Lord is near. He is almost at the door. But the Lord says here that he will come at an hour that you do not expect him. As a thief in the night, the Apostle Peter says. 
The Lord will surprise you with, you with his coming. He says it, and therefore there is no question about it. The question though is, are you ready now? Are you now dressed and ready for service? Is your lamp burning? Is the Lord your master? Do you have a treasure in heaven so that your heart is there already too? Do you long for his coming? Do you pray for it? You see, then it doesn't really matter if his coming will surprise you. The Lord will come as a thief in the night. Just as the Lord says in verse 39 of our text, if the owner of the house would know in what hour the thief would come, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. A burglar doesn't tell you ahead of time that he will come to break into your house. But the Lord told you that he is coming. So expect him all the time, every day, every hour. And yes, he'll still surprise you. He will come maybe while you're doing your chores. You're fixing the car. You're shopping your driveway. Or you're cleaning out the grass. The Lord will come maybe while you're doing the laundry or phone with your mom. While you're eating your lunch at noontime, suddenly he will be there. Maybe he comes in the morning and the children in the school are just getting dressed for the outside, for, to go outside for recess. He might come during the ceremony of your wedding or during the evening prayer of the little ones. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Your love goes with me through the night and wakes me in the, with the morning light. Well, the morning doth obey. We don't know when the Lord returns. He's coming soon and he will surprise us. My beloved in the Lord, watch and be ready because it will be such a wonderful surprise. Amen.